0: We have a customer first focus. So before we start any new work, we really ask ourselves and our clients, what is it that the customer really cares about? What are the problems or pain points that we can solve for them? And if we only get 10 minutes in front of them, what's the one thing we want them to walk away with? So often messages get muddled and are too murky or they have too many product features or benefits. It's really important that we get down to that one main thing that the customer cares about. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together
1: B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico And I'm Kelly Windenow. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B MX podcast. I am once again on the show floor here. And now we have some cocktails staring us in the face. So really tempting surroundings here. But before we get to the good stuff, I do have a little bit of fun right next to me. Her name is Jean Kirby. She is the VP of marketing for Invisio Corp. Jean, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you want to just tell our audience a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Thanks, Kelly.
0: It is very tempting with the bar right over there. So anyways, I'm Vice President of Marketing for Inviso Marketing. We're based out of the Seattle area and I lead an awesome team. We do creative development. We do all different types of B2B marketing from SharePoint to web development to PowerPoint design, a little bit of everything, but we have in-house writers and designers. And so I was super excited to Be here at the event and talk about some of the success we've had with storytelling.
1: Perfect. So now, earlier today, you hosted Sell Without Selling, How Stories Still Win the Day. How did that go? What were some of the key takeaways your attendees walked away with?
0: I thought it went great. I really enjoy talking about this topic, and ultimately, telling stories wins the day. I mentioned in my presentation earlier today that the London School of Business had found that when a presenter simply relies on stats their audience will only retain about five to 10% of the conversation, but that number actually increases to 65 to 70% when stats are woven into a story. So whether you're in marketing or sales, if you can create a story around that message that you're trying to get out to your prospects or your customers, ultimately it's gonna be more memorable and relatable and chances are they'll remember you.
1: Awesome, so now then, how does storytelling factor into the overall demand gen strategies? As
0: I mentioned, I lead Inviso Marketing, and as a full-service marketing and creative agency, our clients constantly come to us with content, so key messages, stats, differentiators, but they really look to us to bring it to life. Often when I have a client that has a great product, my first question is, what's in it for the customer? What are the pain points that we're trying to solve for? And from there, we are able to use messaging and the data and the differentiators to craft a story around the customer, not necessarily always the exact story the customer has in mind, but one that will land best with their products. I think often if we just list with product features or benefits, it's likely to not be as memorable.
1: Absolutely. And then how can organizations work to understand what's resonating the most strongly with their prospects?
0: It really comes down to traditional B2B marketing, test, measure, and optimize. As a long-time practitioner of email marketing, I really love testing. And my email marketing team won't launch a new campaign if we're not incorporating some kind of A-B testing. It goes beyond traditional options with headlines and visuals, but really dives deeper into audience segmentation and impressions. And even though a story may seem different than a headline or a color or a layout, at the same time, it is easy to test multiple stories and see what really is resonating with the audience.
1: So then in a similar vein, do you find that certain assets resonate more strongly with ProsubX?
0: Thanks for asking this question, Kelly. I really think it's on topic. As I've talked about a lot and seen and heard a lot at the B2B SMX conference this week, I definitely think certain assets resonate more with B2B audiences. For example, the Insider Intelligence Report states that 59% of B2B buyers are now millennials. They're skewing a little bit younger than they have in the past. And so at Inviso, we've seen a huge demand to convert some of our traditional marketing materials into short, more dynamic videos. Given that they essentially grew up in an era with having a cell phone and an internet at the ready, as well as being able to stream music when they could sing, this really makes sense. As marketers, I think it's important for us to know and understand that.
1: Awesome. And now to me, at least, it seems like a storytelling approach seems easier said than done. Because on one hand, in my head, I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll just tell a story. But what is a good story? So what are some of the elements of storytelling that you think marketers and salespeople need to know? I think that's a good point. And
0: to be quite frank,
1: we might not have
0: enough time to go through all of the deep elements of storytelling, especially with the cocktail hour right around the corner here. (laughs) However, I do want to say this storytelling really works because as human beings, we are storytellers. It's how we've communicated our most important messages since the beginning of time. Sometimes I'll hear other B2B marketers kind of write off storytelling as a consumer strategy, but here's the thing, even though we do B2B marketing, we're still talking to people. And good stories make us feel things and connect us emotionally to one another. Our brains are really wired to remember how a combination of events made us feel, which is why a great story evoke an emotion that our prospects will remember and if they can remember the feeling they're more likely to remember you.
1: Awesome, so now let's say someone attended your session they're super inspired they want to get going, re their storytelling and their content, they get to their desk tomorrow, what's the first thing they need to do to get started?
0: Well, besides reaching out to Inviso Marketing to help them, (laughs) wait, wait, I'm kidding. Um, The best way to craft their story is to really ask questions. We have a customer first focus. So before we start any new work, we really ask ourselves and our clients, what is it that the customer really cares about? What are the problems or pain points that we can solve for them? And if we only get 10 minutes in front of them, what's the one thing we want them to walk away with? So often messages get muddled and are too murky or they have too many product features or benefits. It's really important that we get down to that one main thing that the customer cares about.
1: Awesome. So now to pull back and take a very general approach, we are at the B2B Sales and Marketing Exchange. So with that in mind, what's the biggest takeaway you've got from the show?
0: That's a great question. I've always loved coming to this conference. You're number one in some amazing locations, but besides that, the content is so invigorating, so inspiring, and I always learn new things. In previous years, I feel like a lot of the talk was around RevOps, when while that's still important, it's been refreshing this year to hear more talk around staying close to the customer. I heard one marketing leader talk about how she would created a customer enablement team just to ensure that the product team was staying up to date with how the customers were actually using their solutions. That really ties back to my experience and that simple question of, what is it that my customers want that sometimes gets overlooked?
1: Awesome. So now I'm sure you've noticed that we have this beautiful spinning wheel behind us. Oh, I know. So beautiful. To our listeners, can't really visualize it. It's multicolored. It's labeled. So it's not
0: Wheel of Fortune? No, no. There's, I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had Darn. the budget for that. Yes. But yes. <laughs> So in our case, we have, it's labeled 1 through 14. I'm going to have you spin the wheel. I have a list of 14 questions and the number will correlate to the question. So let's see what you get.
0: Clearly, I've never been
1: on Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, you wouldn't do too well. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) I
0: totally wouldn't.
1: Okay, so we are at, it's kind of in the middle, eight, nine. Which question's
0: better? Kelly, hook me up.
1: Eight, ChatGPT, love it or hate it? Oh,
0: we love it. We love it. I've told everyone on my team that it's so important that they really embrace AI. It's a tool that we're gonna be using. It's here to stay. Even in talking with my creative director, she had such a great analogy. In her mind, all of the AI tools are really, it's really like a symphony, and the tools are the instruments in the orchestra, (laughs) and we're the conductor. So we're still creating the masterpiece, but we're using all of the different tools that are out there. When it comes to ChatGPT, I think it's such a great starting place for building content, and it just keeps getting better.
1: Yeah, I could not agree with you more. So we still have a couple more minutes. You wanna go ahead and give that wheel another spin and see what we get? I
0: would love to, Kelly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, number 12. Are you a morning person or a night owl?
0: Well, in my role, I've had to be both because I end up sometimes working late and getting up early. But I would say I'm probably more of a morning person. I got up at 5 a.m. this morning. I'm also, and that's pretty early because I'm West Coast based but I've adapted a little bit here and I was just so excited for today. So awesome. I would say morning person.
1: Awesome, all right, one more, give her one last spin. Oh, and one more,
0: okay, best here Best for go. last.
1: <laughs> one I hope. Number two, what is your proudest
0: achievement? Oh, my proudest achievement? Gosh, you know, it's hard. I feel like I should say my kids. I have two teenage daughters. It's okay, daughters. that goes without saying. <laughs> but that's kind of <laughs> boring. I would say maybe that I did. I did a triathlon once. That's awesome. Which is very surprising. Um, But it was really hard because I'm not a natural athlete. Mm -hmm. Uh, Always got most improved at any kind of sporting activity. But yeah, but it was, I trained for it and I just, I got scared a few times, but I persevered. And so that might be one of my proudest one of them.
1: Oh, I'd love that. I would never let people forget I ran a triathlon. Okay. <laughs> I would be that obnoxious person on social media yeah. at parties like, did you guys know I once ran, swam and biked? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. And the swimming thing is the one that freaks people out the most mm-hmm. and I train the most for that. But it went the easiest. It was the running that was the hardest, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, anyways, it's the last too, right? Because mm-hmm. you swim, bike, then run. That's why, that's why it was the hardest. <laughs>
1: anyways. All right, Jean, this was so lovely. Thank you so much for sitting with me today. This was so much fun. And to our listeners, thank you all so much for tuning in today. Again, we are available on your podcast player of choice. So make sure to subscribe today and also connect with us on social media. So you could tell us how we're doing, who else you want on the pod, or just to connect and say hi. Thank you all again for tuning in and we'll chat soon.